Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Wednesday, June 29th. That means it's time for Destination Health. We're opening the phone lines right now. Promise if you dial, you'll get through. 855-950-3835. You know, there's clearly a lot of bad stuff going on in the world right now. The economy, just, we could go on and on and on. Um, Let's lighten things up a little bit today. Let's just make today all about food. Let's make today fun and still important. Food is a big part of our life. So let's talk about food however you want to talk about it. Eating it, cooking it, making it, growing it, preserving it, whatever it might be. Anything and everything about food today, your favorite recipes, stuff you like to eat on the road, maybe food products you found, tips or tricks or hacks for cooking in the truck, whatever it might be. That's kind of the theme for today. Now, you don't have to talk about food. You can ask any question you want related to health, but uh, let's have a little fun with it. I'm going to. I love food. You know, we use the term foodie all the time. I think I had somebody call yesterday, said they were a foodie. What does that mean? It just means that you are probably more into food than the average person. Some foodies absolutely love to eat out. They're, you know, experts on restaurants and that kind of thing. I am more of the foodie that likes to make my own food uh, in all kinds of ways, different cuisines, different methods, just any, anything and everything. And I love food now from start to finish. The idea of putting a seed in the ground, which I've been doing a lot of, um, and watching it grow and then harvesting the food and then doing something with that food. Uh, it's pretty incredible. And it's a great skill to have. You know, I, I've been saying that when we're in tough times like this, one of the best things you can do is work on yourself. One of my favorite books I've been talking about a lot because if I had to recommend one book for people right now to kind of help them through probably what I think will be the next couple of years. I think we're in for a pretty rough economy for, oh, I don't know, maybe 18 to 24 months. Um, so one, the book, I think if I had to pick one out of the thousands of books, there's lots of things I could recommend, but um, I would really say the book, The Seven Habits. I've been talking about it quite a bit. Talked about the habit number one of being proactive. Now I'm going to talk about habit number seven, sharpen the saw sharpen the saw you are the saw so you are the tool in a good way we want to make you the best tool you can be again in a good way so developing skills that's sharpening the saw developing skills around food i think is really a good idea Uh, with everything we're looking at. I think it's a good idea all the time. We know that food is the single most important thing in our health now. Sure, we can deal with stress and sleep and connection and all those other areas, but I really believe that it, it starts with food. And the more comfortable you are with food, the more familiar you are with food, the easier this becomes. And eating really healthy is a lot easier when you prepare, when you plan, when you shop right, when you buy right, when you store food right, when you prepare food ahead of time. By really planning and preparing, you can make the food part of your life a lot easier. Even if you've never cooked, why not start? I can't think of a single downside to to developing more skills around food and that might be as simple as you know boiling your first egg or whatever it might be so if you have any questions about food at all or comments or topics or things you want to talk about pick up the phone and join us we'll get to those calls here in just a little bit um so one of the things i want to talk about today meat 
because really it should be the the base of our diet. You know, that stupid food pyramid thing that we, many of us grew up with um, that showed 12 servings of grain at the bottom and really kind of pushed you towards lean meats. Horrible idea. The bottom of the food pyramid, if we were going to use a food pyramid, should be good fatty cuts of meat and fish and eggs. That should be the base. Animal products should be the majority of your diet. If you want to be healthy, uh, there's just really no doubt about it anymore. So learning about meat, here's the other good news. Right now, meat is expensive. There's no doubt about it. But if you understand meat and you know how to buy and cook the cheaper cuts, you can save yourself a lot of money. And the good news is the cheaper cuts are usually usually the healthier cuts for us. Organ meats are much cheaper than, you know, good quality steaks because most people don't want to eat organ meats. It's a supply and demand thing. Um, but not even just organ meats, just cheaper cuts. Um, and... I, I will tell you that once you learn how to cook these, because they're higher in fat, that's one of the reasons they're cheaper now, because people don't think we should be eating all that fat. But the higher a cut of meat is in fat, the more flavor it has. When you look at, you know, one of supposedly the best cuts off of a cow, the filet, the filet is wonderfully tender, but it has zero taste. You know, filet has got a, a, a really wonderful, tender texture. There's hardly any flavor to it at all, especially, you know, a, a factory farmed cow. It's really bland. But if you go to the, you know, the, the short ribs, the shanks, those, you know, a lot of people think maybe they're harder to cut, they're harder to eat, they don't know what to do with them. They are the most flavorful by far. And they're also the easiest to cook. Cooking a good steak requires practice and, you know, there's, I know, all kinds of techniques and different ways you can cook a really good steak, but you have to practice at them and they're kind of easy to mess up. Um, if you cook a, a good steak wrong, you'll ruin it. And grass-fed, even more touchy to, to really cook a good steak, but... The cheap cuts are easy. For the most part, the way you're going to cook cheap cuts of meat is low and slow, and you can't mess them up. You could either put them in a, an, a pressure cooker, and instead of low and slow, you can actually get the same results with basically hot and fast. Um, getting messages from Aaron. Let me, uh, let me try something here. I'm going to switch my internet. I guess I've been uh, in and out. Let me try. Uh, I've got a different connection here. I'll try that, see if it gets any better. Um, so cooking the cheap cuts is actually much easier and almost impossible to screw up. You just cook them long. And even if you go too long, it really doesn't mess them up. Some meats will get a little too mushy, but it, you have a, a lot of room for leeway when you're cooking these cheap cuts of meat. The other thing, uh, actually, I'm doing this today. I'm trying something new for me. Um, trying something new in cooking is a pretty rare thing. I, I've been cooking my whole life. I love it. It's how I relax. It's a hobby. Uh, but I'm trying something today. I am trying mutton neck. Uh, oh boy. Looks like we're still fighting with internet issues. I wonder what's going on today. Um, well, we'll just try to make the most of it. If nothing else, I, I will be able to get a good recording out of it. We record locally, so the internet doesn't matter. So I'm going to continue doing the show, even if we have internet issues. Uh, hopefully, we won't have a problem with the phones. We'll see here in just a minute. Um, so I am trying mutton neck. What is mutton? 
Some of us have heard the word. Do we really know what it is? Then as I was thinking about explaining this, I got thinking about the way we name our meat and our animals and why we make it so damn confusing. And it's not even consistent. So we have several names for a cow, a cow, a bull, a steer. But we call the meat from a cow beef. We don't call it cow. We don't say we're going to go eat cow or we're going to eat steer. We say we're going to eat beef. When we talk about a pig, we just call them pigs no matter. Oh, the other thing we might call um, the meat of a cow, if it's young enough, a baby, we would call it veal. It's veal if it's a baby, it's beef if it's old, but that's just the name of the meat. We have different names for the animal. Then pigs, I think no matter what, we basically just call that meat pork, and we call them pigs no matter what age they are. Now, you, you could you might have heard the term suckling pig. Um, if you've never had one, they're really amazing. Uh, I, I usually try to do a suckling pig on the smoker every summer. Uh, last year, I think I did it for July 4th. That's coming up this weekend. Won't be doing that um, maybe later on in the in the summer. Suckling pigs are amazing. They're, they're small. You put the whole thing on a smoker. The meat is incredible. Um, but then we get to chicken. We call the animal a chicken, and we call the meat a chicken. It's nice and simple. Why did we complicate the other ones? Now, when we get to... I know this confuses a lot of people. Lambs, goats, sheep... And then we have the names for the meat, the lamb. Actually, lamb is, I guess it, we do call the animal a lamb and we call the meat a lamb, but that's really a sheep. That's a baby sheep. Up to one year, we call it lamb. This next one, most people have never even heard the term. From one to two years old, we would call that meat... And I think also the animal, not sure about the animal, we would call it a hogget, and that's the meat, hogget. And then after it's more than two years old, for the rest of its life, we call it mutton. And now goat is a whole separate animal. And as far as I know, we just call them goats. Either way, we call the animal a goat, we call the meat goat, is it goats that we call the babies kids i think but i don't think there's any name for baby goat meat i don't think we we would say we're gonna go eat the kids maybe we do uh i don't know it's weird that we have all these different terms but then the other thing lambs goats sheeps mutton hogget all those things not very popular here in the u.s and all over the rest of the world just about it is popular. The other, the rest of the world eats a lot more goat, lamb, mutton, hogget, sheep than we do. Um, when it comes to lamb, New Zealand um, and Australia, I think a huge percentage of um, lamb come from New Zealand and Australia. We are starting to raise more of it here. The other group of animals that uh, is surprising for people. Now, this meat is much harder to find. It's considered exotic. It's kind of expensive most of the time. It's a shame, but you can find some local farmers. You might be able to get this meat at a better price. Um, big birds. And when I talk big i'm talking big ostrich and emu if you've never eaten that meat you would be shocked i could convince you every time that it was beef there are many cuts i can take off an ostrich and emu cook it and you'd swear it was beef can't tell the difference it really is red meat and it's really good uh it's a shame we don't raise more of it here but again you may be able to find locally emus um Oh, no, what's the other? Oh, also, we can add alpaca to that, but alpaca is not a bird. Um, alpaca is more like a llama. I've eaten both alpaca and llama. They're both really good, too. 
Um, you can find smaller kind of local farms that might raise alpaca. Um, they usually raise it for the wool, like sheep, but um, I've had the meat and it's really good. Now, again, those kind of meats, because they're, they, we don't do a lot of it here, tend to be more expensive when in reality, if we farmed more of that meat more often, it would be cheaper. It's cheaper to raise. It's better for the environment to raise a lot of these other animals. Beef cows are one of the hardest animals to raise uh, on the environment. If it's done properly, then it's no big deal at all. It's not bad for the environment. It's good for the environment. But the way we raise beef uh, is just horrible for everybody, us, the animals, the land, it's a shame we don't raise um, more of these other animals and eat more of them, but uh, we can certainly talk about it today. We can talk about, um... oh, Sarah just sent me something interesting. She said, we call goat meat chevron. Huh, never heard that. It's kind of like hogget. I had never heard hogget till I started buying from Heritage uh, Foods and also um, deer meat, we call venison. Uh, that's an, it, why we don't call, we don't have a different name for elk. If you shoot an elk, you shot an elk. That's what we call the animal. We call the meat elk, but for some reason we call the animal a deer. We call the meat venison. I, we're not even consistent about it. It just seems odd. Um, we can talk about that canning. Um, if you are not canning meat yet, either pressure canning or water bath canning, we really should be. That is an absolute game changer when it comes to food. So if you want to talk about that, um, the garden, I just want to mention real quick. Uh, finally, summer weather hit here. We actually had a little bit of a heat wave there. Um, three days or so, we got above 90. Uh, and actually, just those three days stressed a couple of my plants. They, I think it was the shock. We went from cold and wet to screaming hot and you know a blazing sun and uh, it was a little hard on some of the plants nothing major now we've kind of settled back into a good summer pattern plenty of sunshine mid 70s low humidity uh great growing temperatures it some challenges on things like peppers i i love peppers hot peppers bell peppers sweet peppers i love making salsas and hot sauces and but i really have to work to grow peppers here peppers like hot weather and the hotter the pepper for some reason the more it really likes hot weather it's harder to grow you know those really hot varieties of peppers uh, in cool temperatures you can do it um one of the things I'm going to work on this year, I actually did it last year, but I didn't really do it the way I was supposed to. I could have done better. What I'm talking about is, is actually holding pepper plants over throughout the winter, and then they will continue to grow. Pepper plants can actually be a perennial. You have to protect them from freezing, so I moved them into the garage. Um, I need to do a little more research on whether you're supposed to water them during that time. I don't know. I think I had four of them. I moved four containers with pepper plants into the garage last fall, left them there all winter. Um, only one of them survived and is growing again this year. It, I know it works. And now what will happen this year, I'm assuming, is I'm going to get a much bigger pepper plant when this thing grows out, and it should produce more peppers. Uh, so we'll see on that. But um, to make up for that, I'm growing a lot more pepper plants because it's hard to get them to grow big. It's hard to get them to produce a lot of peppers. So I'll just make up for it by more plants, I think think at last count of uh i might have about 50 pepper plants when i'm done i've got some uh, i just started from seed a little while ago i've got some out in the ground uh and and they're doing okay they're healthy they're they're just not growing very fast we just don't get enough heat uh what else i think that might be it for now i think i'll jump into some phone calls if you want to jump in and join us um <laughs> angie's got a funny food story she said calling deer venison tricked me when she was a kid 
uh, her aunt. <laughs> she said it's how her aunt got her to eat Bambi. <laughs> yeah, I know. Don't tell a kid you're feeding him Bambi. That uh, that probably won't go over very well. Um, I also like eating Thumper too. If you know what that would be, let's uh, let's grab some phone calls. If you want to join us, phone lines are open right now. It's a health free for all. It's all about food today, but you can talk about anything you want. If you have a question, a comment, a topic around food, health, fitness, strength, training, breathing, whatever it might be, pick up the phone and join me right now. I promise you'll get through. 855-950-3835. We're going to get started in Florida today. Joe, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Good to talk to you. I've uh, been listening to you for quite a bit now. Not a lot, maybe four or five months. And uh, you've helped me quite a bit. I've lost maybe 15 pounds Good. so far. I need to be a little bit more disciplined, but um on track. But uh, my question for today is, I have a friend that's dealing with psoriatic arthritis. And there's times when he is in so much pain that he can, I mean, he, he tells me he feels like crying. Um, from what I've, the times I've listened to you, you know, I've told him that um, brains have a lot to do with inflammation. And um, he's he's trying to eliminate those. And I've also asked, asked him if he could try the carnivore diet. And I don't know if I'm leading him the correct way, but I'm just trying to help him. And I figured I'd call you and see if, uh, what you might think could help. No, you're definitely on the right track with him. You know, getting people to eliminate grains is a first good step. And normally... If people can eliminate grains, that's such a big part of our diet that if they can do that successfully, then the rest of everything should be easy. You know, then when you tell them, look, you really shouldn't eat all those seed oils and, you know, corn oil and canola and all that, that that, everything after grains seems easier. It's giving up the grains that are the hardest for most people. Now, there are some people that have that struggle more with sugar and sweet things, but I think almost everybody really struggles trying to get rid of grains. So that's a great place to start. Your advice to try carnivore is also excellent. Uh, it, it's my advice most of the time now. It's easy. It's easier to understand. It's very, very effective. You know, it used to be if somebody called me and psoriatic arthritis was the issue. Um, and by the way, this is a horrendous disease. Your joints hurt. Your skin's a mess. It, it's just, I, I, I feel bad for us. This is awful. And you are uncomfortable all the time. So getting rid of this will will be a life changer for them. Now, it used to be I would have recommended like AIP paleo, autoimmune paleo or autoimmune protocol based in paleo because that was a diet specifically designed for autoimmune conditions and it works. But you know what? It's really restrictive and it's kind of complicated to figure out what you can eat, what you can't eat. Um, Yeah, you got to go through all these lists. And in reality, carnivore eliminates all the same things that AIP paleo would because AIP paleo allows Mm -hmm. all meat. Um, I believe AIP paleo probably eliminates eggs, if I remember right, because eggs can be reactive. Um, and dairy. So, and those are two we have to watch with people. Eggs and dairy for some people can be reactive for a while till we heal them. But carnivore, it's just, it's easier. And it's easier to understand. It's actually easier to do. So I think your advice to them so far has been spot on. Okay. Is there anything else as far as something in your store, like a supplement or that could help them? Um, I don't know try to heal faster because like I said sometimes he's he's quite a bit of pain yeah you know we we could probably do like the immune kit 
would certainly hurt. This is an immune issue. It's his own immune system causing all this damage. So our immune kit could help balance. Mm-hmm. You know, if you listen to the, well, you've only been listening for a couple months. One of the things I, I really try to focus on is for the first 30 days, just getting people to change their diet and making sure that they can right. change their diet. I really, even though we make a lot of money selling supplements, I do not want to sell somebody a $100 kit of supplements and then find out a week later they've just given up on the whole thing and they're just not going to do it. And taking the supplements is worthless if you're not going to change the diet. So I really believe there are absolutely supplements that I could say, yeah, if he started taking this right now, it would help and this would help. But I'd rather not do that. Let's just try to get through 30 days where the only thing we focus on is the food. Sounds great. Well, I'll, uh, I'll relay this to him and um, um, hopefully to help. Um, Lauren just sent me a, a good reminder. If you, uh, do you have our app? Yeah. Okay. If you look on the app, um, the show that Lauren and I do together after hours, um, June 1st, the, the show we did on June 1st was about rheumatoid arthritis and leaky gut. Very, very similar. Both of them start with leaky gut. They progress to one of these forms of arthritis. Um, The way we would treat them are virtually identical. So if you go listen to that show or have him listen to it, you're going to pick up a a lot of good stuff there too as well. Okay, awesome. All right, Kevin, I appreciate it. And uh, like I said, I'll I'll relay this to him and uh, hopefully it helps. Excellent. Yeah, you've, uh, you've done a great job so far keep it up. Um, like I said, it could be a life changer for somebody like this. Let's go to Arkansas. Jim, welcome to the program. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I heard you being mixed up or not understanding the beef industry. Uh, you know, of course the standard beef industry, but I'm sure it works under the Grass fat. I don't like grass fed because everything's grass fed, but the grass fat is what we're after. But the bull and the cow are generally the reproductive animals. They don't get butchered very often until they're too old to reproduce, and then they're generally turned into hammers because um, they're too tough for anything else. Most of the Good eating cuts come from the, the steers are, you know, the bulls are cut to turn into steers. The testicles are taken off, and that makes them gain faster. You know, the grain fed part of it, that's what we're involved in. But also, there's been studies that some of the bulls actually gain fat better, too. Um, and, uh, most of production agriculture, the cuts come from yearling, young, 14-month-old steers or heifers, which are the cows, the cows that haven't had calves yet. And uh, that's generally where most of the really good cups, tender cuts come from. Old uh, the cows get really tough as they get older. Uh, that's why they use use cows and make hamburger out of most of the cows full because those cuts are really tough by the time they get eight or ten years old. Yeah, it, it, all animals, basically, the, the older they get, the tougher they get. That's, you know, we eat lamb. You know, the weird thing is a lot of people will not eat veal because they're aware that it's a baby cow. And for some reason, they're okay eating an adult animal, but not a baby animal. I I really don't understand the difference. We're going to kill an animal. We're going to eat it. I really don't know what difference the age of it makes. Um, But then when it comes to lamb, a lot of people don't realize that lamb signifies that that's a baby animal, just like veal. They don't don't seem to have a problem with that because I don't think they understand what lamb really means. Yeah, and then, you know, the, the full-grown sheep, that's called mutton. It's generally called mutton, if I remember right. And it isn't near as good as the, the lamb. Well, 
You know, it, it really depends. That's kind of why I was talking about this today. And we've all probably heard the word mutton. Most people probably don't know that it is a sheep that is three years old or older. A lamb is one year or younger. And the term I had never heard was hogget, which is a lamb that's two years old. So we have or a sheep that's two years old, I'm sorry. So we have sheep, and if they're one-year-old, they're a lamb. If they're two-year-old, they're a hogget. Three years and older, they're mutton. It's just, like I said, it's confusing, and then we're not even consistent. Why don't we have a different name for chicken meat? Why do we call the animal a chicken and we call the meat a chicken? Yeah, I I, I don't understand, you know. A lot of that probably was decided long before people were growing up, but... uh, so I just, but, you know, I was in production agriculture for 25 years, raised cattle that way, um, and uh, I got out before I could switch convert to grass feeding. And uh, but the grass fat cattle take probably six to eight months longer than the grain fed cattle. So yeah, most and grass fat cattle are pushing two years old. Yeah, so, and that's one of the reasons why, you know, grass-fed, pastured cows, when they're pastured their whole life, it's more expensive for two reasons. One, it takes longer to get them to that size, only eating grass, and not given antibiotics. Here's another thing most people don't realize. Yes, we do. 80% of the antibiotics produced in this country go to our farm animals. And part of it is to keep them healthy because we raise them in such horrendous conditions and we feed them food they should never be eating. They require the antibiotics. But then a long time ago, we figured out when you give antibiotics to living things, they get fat. Humans do too. We have people who, you know, keep going through round after round of antibiotics and then they can't lose weight after that. They start gaining it and can't lose it. And we do the same thing to animals. They feed most of those antibiotics to fatten animals up faster. And that isn't done with regenerative farming at all. So now it takes longer. They're never going to get as big. And everything about raising that animal was more expensive It takes longer and you end up with a smaller animal overall. But now what we're seeing is the prices are starting to come closer together because the the way we raise the industrial beef, a lot of grain, which the price of grain is going through the roof, the price of fertilizer to raise that grain is going through the roof. We use a lot more diesel in these operations and diesels through the roof. So we're, we're actually starting to see the price of really high quality pastured meat get closer and closer to what everybody's paying at the grocery store. Yeah. Yeah. And people need to, you know, this is my production side. People need to realize that $8 a pound for that steak, a producer, you know, the producer generally, you know, gets a dollar, if he's lucky, gets a dollar fifty a pound for that cattle when he comes out the beat hole. Yeah. And it's the beef packers that are getting making money off of this, the beef yep. also. But, yep. you know, that's, and, that's a different side of the story. But Yeah, well, and that's even worse in the uh, poultry and pork market. Yeah. The poultry yeah, farmers. more contracts than, than the beef industry has. Yeah, the, the you poultry. Know, if you don't have a contract with pigs and chickens, you're no nowhere. Poultry farming, the numbers, I was shocked. I read a book about that. The average, when you see these poultry farms out in the middle of nowhere, um, they have to be out there because you've got to be somewhere where land is really cheap to do this. They build these chicken houses. They have to finance them. A lot of these people have four to $500,000 invested into the operation and they make about $40,000 a year and they work seven days a week. Yeah. It's, it's a horrible Correct. system. Yeah. And, you know, it's just, and the thing, you know, the pork industry is, is on fairly similar constraints. It just doesn't pay uh, for a small farmer to raise pigs. 
Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully we'll keep moving in this direction of going back to the way we used to farm and raise animals yeah. the way we, and I don't think we'll ever do it on a giant scale, but I'm seeing more and more of it. And I, I hope that continues. Uh, all right. We've, uh, we've got some lines that just opened up. If you want to jump in and join us, 855-950-3835. Come on, let's talk about food. Call me with your favorite recipes. Call me with your food questions, tips, tricks, stuff you like to do on the road. Uh, maybe even your favorite restaurant food, although we shouldn't be eating much restaurant food. Um, pick up the phone and join me. Let's go to Missouri this time. Johnny, welcome to the program. Hi there, Kevin. Good. What can I help you with today? Okay. So I end up buying your NDK coffee packet. Uh, it's been shipped. Um, should I go ahead and start using that? Uh, that Irish cream butter in my coffee to get myself used to it, or should I just wait till I get that 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 uh, NDK kit? Well, I don't know about Irish cream. I think what you're talking about is Kerrygold. Yes, the Kerrygold butter. Yeah, yeah. So Kerrygold is still one of my favorites. Although now that I do a ton of my shopping through Azure Standard. Um, they have a pastured grass-fed butter that I tend to buy cases from them. Um, there are lots of good grass-fed butters on the market right now. Kerrygold is still one of the easiest to find, so that is a good one to use. And I love the flavor of Kerrygold. Well, you can tell those are grass-fed cows. I mean, I get that grassy kind of taste, almost that gamey taste that you get in grass-fed meat sometimes. I can taste that in the butter. Some of the other grass-fed butters, I don't taste it as much as I do in Kerrygold, and I like it. Um, You could certainly start there. Throw a couple tablespoons of butter in your coffee and blend it in. Yeah, you don't need the whole kit. Okay. Um, What about uh, on that uh, butter? uh, Should I get the there's one it's that's regular and there's one it's unsalted. Should I get the unsalted or just get the regular? Well, there's salted and unsalted. When you say regular, I don't know what that means. Is regular salted or unsalted? That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah it, salted. Yeah, yeah they're salt. They're, they're, they, because Walmart's got two of them. They got right. one and, is a regular and then the other one is an unsalted. Everybody does, but stop using the term regular. Okay. Because technically, if I were going to use that term, I would use the term regular to denote the unsalted because that's just regular butter. We haven't done anything to it. Then there could be a salted version. But just throw away the term regular because it's just going to confuse you here. There's salted butter and unsalted butter. When When you cook, we use a lot of butter in baking. The salted and unsalted becomes pretty important in baking because that salt could really change the dish. In coffee, I prefer the salted. I I just, you know, I'm going to put some light balance in my coffee, which is salty anyway. Salt enhances all the other flavors. So I prefer to buy salted butter, but unsalted butter is just fine as well. In this coffee, it really isn't going to matter. Okay. Um... I know that you, one German said something about using Amazon to buy his stuff for NDK coffee. They got it all on there, but I looked at their price when I added it all up compared to your price, you're a lot cheaper. There's like $115 through Amazon. If you want to buy your NDK coffee kit compared to your $77, it's, it's a lot, you're a lot cheaper than what Amazon's wanting their stuff you know the um we have to thank our tribe for all the support and you know we've asked the tribe for a couple years now the best way to support us is to buy things in the store and because our tribe's been so good at that with us um lisa's just able to negotiate really good deals with our vendors so the fact that we can beat amazon's price is pretty amazing beating their pricing on anything is difficult Um, And the other advantage, one, I can tell you, if you buy enough of this kind of stuff on Amazon, what you're going to end up getting at some point are expired lots. 
that's that's how a lot of this stuff ends up on Amazon. People find it cheap someplace else because it's expired. Then they throw it up on Amazon. And what are you going to do? You get your product and it's expired. Most of these companies aren't going to do anything for you. That's one problem. The other problem is we put it all together. So I'm sure it took you quite a while to find all those things on Amazon. And in ours, you just click on the kit. And that's why we build kits, because it's a lot easier than trying to remember all the things you're supposed to buy if you're doing this. So we put it into a kit. Our pricing's good. We run some specials on shipping occasionally. But uh, overall, on most things we sell, we, we do beat Amazon on price. Yeah, you do. Because like I said, because I went to your kit and... I looked up on Amazon and with everything, it's $115 compared to yours. I mean, that's why, that's why I bought yours is like, you know, because I don't know much about Amazon, but you know, well, I, you know, the guy that owns, it's one of the richest people in the world. So, uh, uh, we really do appreciate when you buy from us instead of Amazon. And there are times when, yeah, you could get it cheaper at Amazon, especially if you've got free prime shipping. Uh, but we do appreciate it. And the more you support us, the better we're able to negotiate deals. We can bring you better prices. That's what we call a win-win for everybody. Let's, uh, let's go to South Carolina. Terrence, welcome to the program. What's up, Kevin? Just for that guy that was just on, any, as long as you get any good quality butter, start off with that. He wants to start doing the coffee. That's how I first started. When I decided to go keto, I just would take regular butter and throw it into black coffee. And that's how I got started until I got your kit. So yeah. that's the way to go. Yeah, that. works good. Um, I have another, I don't know if this is a problem with you guys or not, but I'm going to let you know. Um, I went to go log into my account for a Let's Truck on the phone, and I couldn't get into it because of, um, you know, I'm a beta tester. So then I went into Google, I Googled Let's Truck, I pulled it up, I got into my account. When I was trying to place an order, whenever you go to go into your cart, and if you want to reduce something, the minus number or whatever is right over the product. So every time you try and drop something down, it keeps bringing the pop-up, the, uh, the um, you know, the product like, uh, product description up. I don't know if that could, that could be because of the way I went through. It could be my phone, I don't know, I'm just letting you know in case... You know, if someone else told about it, yeah, a Aaron's probably listening. Um, or if you get a chance on, you know, one of the tribes, if you just want to tag Aaron and let him know about it, I'll pass it on to him too. Okay. Uh, I do know that, you know, with all the work we're doing on the app right now and, you know, creating a better login system that things are changing almost every day right now. I, I, I talked to Aaron yesterday. I think we've got another version of the app coming out here pretty soon. Oh, cool. Yeah, I guess I, I'm not, not complaining. I just want to give you guys a yeah. heads up. So no, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. We need that kind of feedback. Right, and uh, software, you know, absolutely. you think you have everything working, and then one person calls and says, nope, doesn't work on my phone. <laughs> we have to go figure out why not. And it could be the simplest simplest thing too right that's like they're going out of work and it's you know goes right by it so uh i got i bought a smoker a while ago i finally started using it i did the other day i did ribs on it wasn't wasn't a grass fed i can't lie but oh my god the flavoring and i did bratwurst so anybody that wants to do the product or anything smoking the meat is unbelievable it's great taste and, you know, just the flavoring I, is like, you can't even explain it. I use my smoker nonstop, and I don't care what anybody says. I love pellet smokers. I have used virtually every kind of okay. smoker on the market. I've used charcoal smokers. I've used pure wood smokers. I've used pit smokers, electric, propane, you name it. I've used just about every smoker on the market. And... Certainly having a nice, you know, wood fired pit smoker is pretty awesome, but it's a lot of work. You're constantly out there trying to keep the fire right. And I, as much as I love food, I do not want to sit outside all day babying my smoker 
because you, you normally you're leaving meat on there for hours and hours. And I love the fact that I go out there, put the meat on there, set my temperature, press a button and walk away. And while I'm out gardening, I can even monitor on, on my phone. Um, and it, it just works. And the flavors are amazing. Um, one of the best pellet companies in the country, I can see the building from where I am right now. They're right down the street from me. Oh, nice. uh, yeah, Bear Mountain. Bear Mountain smoking pellets are excellent. And they're, they're right here in our little town. So that's kind of cool. But I love my yes, smoker. It gets used all year long. Today I talked about um, a, a new cut for me, this mutton neck. Um, I, that will go on the smoker. Nice. Yes, hey. I bought one of those bastard ones. But it's, I mean, it's a wood one. But like I said, you were talking about putting the socks with big, and I'm looking at mine. I'm going, in a way, I'm going to get one on that. That's what I was going to ask you. But so you got a, uh, a pellet, right? So the pellets are just flavored. That's it. That's what. Uh, well, the pellets are just pure wood, and you can get all the wood varieties. So you can get mesquite, you can get cherry, apple, hickory, pecan. I mean, whatever. I mean, it, but it, it's not flavored. It's, it, it's just that those wood, the wood pellets are just pure 100% wood, and they can use whatever species of wood they choose, oak, whatever. Okay. All right, so you get your flavored pellets. Are you saying that your wood chips is just their pellet wall? Yeah, okay. you, you just buy big Makes bags sense. of them, and, and they're pellets, and you just pour them into the hopper, and, and the, you know, the pellet smokers just pull the pellets into the fire as it needs. Um, it's just really, really convenient and easy, and I'm not spending all day babysitting my smoker. Um, have you discovered something called red butcher paper yet? No, I haven't. Okay, go go look. I heard th- you talk about it. Yeah, go look this up. I, I I have one particular person that I buy mine from. Can't remember the name now because I usually buy two big rolls at a time, and it lasts me about a year, so I don't remember the site. But if you look it up, you'll find it. The idea is when you're smoking especially pork, Um, let's say a pork shoulder, for example, we want to do a big, you know, 12 pound pork shoulder. We want to get the temperature of that meat up to about 210 degrees all the way through, because that's the temperature where the connective tissue starts to break down and we start to get the development of the gelatin and some of those other things that make pork really, really good. That's why a, a uh, suckling pig is so good. They're loaded with that gelatin. Like, you know how when you're eating pork, sometimes your fingers get really sticky? Yeah. That's the gelatin. And that is, that's really, really good. And the, the baby pigs are just loaded with it. That's why suckling pigs are so good. But what happens with that pork shoulder is if you are watching your temperature, your internal temperature, it tends to get to about 160 to 170, and it stalls out. And the reason is that the, all that fat internally starts to dissolve and melt, and then that, cooled, that continually cools down the internal meat. And they call it a stall, and okay. it's, it's hard to get it past that point and if you just wait, it will eventually get past there. But all that time, you're kind of drying the meat out, too. So what I do is I just watch. And now I, I pretty much know in my head when it's going to happen. I do it on ribs or whatever. When it hits that stall temperature, um, I wrap it in that pink butcher paper and then put it. Actually, um, at that point, it's not even worth putting back on the smoker. I wrap it in the pink butcher paper and take it in and put it in my oven inside. Because you're not going to get any more smoke on it. We've wrapped it anyway, so the smoke isn't even getting to the meat anymore. Now all we want to do is bring it up to temperature. And this is the the best way to do it. Wrap it in that butcher paper, throw it in an oven at like 350 degrees until it comes up to temperature, and then it's perfect. And then monitor it. Keep monitoring it. All right. Yeah, I'm getting ready to, like you said, you know, plan ahead. I'm getting ready to go to U.S wellness you got some stuff but you said you go to heritage for all your pork heritage yeah heritage foods but i i i will warn you 
be prepared for sticker shock. Now we've always. I don't, ta- I don't care about. Okay, I, I I don't either. Not when it comes to food. So we've always kind of said, <laughs> look. You know, these re- these these well-raised animals are going to be more expensive, but Heritage Foods takes it to a whole nother level. They use almost heritage breeds. So these breeds are, it, it's just, it's expensive. It, it really is. But I, I, I've never <laughs> tasted meat, like it, whether, and they do beef and chicken too, Um their their beef is incredible. Yesterday, um, my fermented carnivore lunch was incredible. So, um, Heritage Foods does some Wagyu beef. Um, so, I ordered some uh, of their Wagyu ground beef, made a burger out of it, threw it on the grill with uh, some Swiss cheese and bacon. I also got the bacon from Heritage Foods, and it's pretty incredible. They have three different breeds of pigs that are just amazing. Uh, so it was uh, the Wagyu burger, the bacon, Swiss cheese. Then I did um, fermented spicy garlic dill pickles that are still left over from last year. I still have like a gallon of... Um, dill pickles from last year and they're still incredible i mean it's amazing to me they're fermented and they're just they're really good so i sliced those put some on the burger i had some fermented asparagus that's from the garden this year uh and i had some fermented kind of spicy ketchup oh and a poached egg so i mean that is fermented carnivore i've got the beef the egg, the bacon, that's the carnivore part. And I had three fermented foods on there, the pickles, the asparagus, and the ketchup hot sauce. So that, that's a foodie carnivore burger. That's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. And I, I, I'll I, let someone else do it. All right. Sounds good. I put a picture of it up thanks. on Healthy Tribe. You got to go see it. I promise you it will make you hungry. Um, it was an incredible meal. In fact... Uh, I may just redo that today. Lunch was so good. I'm going to throw the neck on the smoker. That's probably going to be on there for a while. Um, so I don't know if I'll be able to finish that by dinner. Maybe. Um, I just may do re- redo lunch again. It was so damn good. Let's go to West Virginia. Mike, welcome to the program. Hey, how you doing, Kevin? Doing good. What's on your mind today? <clears throat> I have a digestion. I, I think it might be digestion. I know you cover a lot of that lately. Um, but I kind of give you the, the what I'm going through <clears throat> is um, my routine for working out and mornings are very consistent. I get up in the morning. I have a couple cups of coffee. I drink the four somatic. I use a C8 oil in it, a couple tablespoons. Um, Enjoy that in the morning, and then after that, probably within an hour from that, I'm going down and doing my doing the X bar workout. Okay, I do a little extra on the X X three bar, you know, which takes me between twenty five and thirty minutes. No issues whatsoever during that workout. I usually have a couple caps full with a light balance, my water, and then into the sauna blanket, and I'm doing. About forty-five minutes of the sauna blanket. Okay, that's a so the great, X3 great and, routine, and, by the way. Yeah, yeah. So the X3, the CA, the light balance. That's seven days a week. The X bar, X3 bar, is I'm on a pretty much six days, one day off. I follow that, and I've been doing that since January of last year, okay. twenty-one. And I enjoy it. Good, like I good. Can't really go without doing it. So. My, my issue is sometimes around mid-morning when I'm finally finished, okay, haven't, I don't eat till noon, but I get like disaster pants and go a few bouts of that, okay? And I probably quit eating 6, 7 o'clock the night before. I'm eating clean as can be. I'm eating U.S. wellness meat, vital choice seafood, um, you know, some vegetables, stuff like that, all clean. Pretty, that's pretty regular for me. And then I'll go a few bouts mid-morning. It's like I can't leave 
keep going back to the restroom and I drink a bunch of water, stay hydrated and it goes back through me. But here's the thing. Oh, and then out of the sauna blanket, right to the cold shower. And pretty much all my showers anymore, 75% of my showers are all cold showers. So Nice. But it seems like if I eat fermented food and I, I ferment, uh, I always have a few jars that are put down after they've been fermented. Asparagus, cucumbers, radishes. That clears me up. It's like it settles settles me down when I eat fermented food. Well, that's good. And um, everything's just he, Here's my first thought on this. Um, have you ever tried swapping out the C8 for just coconut oil instead? Um, no, I have not. And and the reason I ask that, C8 is is the term disaster pants came from C8. Um, bulletproof. Dave Asprey was one of the first people to recognize this. He was one of the first people to use C8 uh, for the specific reason that it makes more ketones. But he talks about disaster pants all the time with C8. Some people experience it and but then it, they can eventually get used to it and get over it. Some people never get over it. Lisa, my wife, she cannot, well, she gets well, pain. Um, so it's a really common thing with C8. Yeah, I don't get pain, but, you know, it, it's interesting. When I have that one day off for, I don't do the sauna blanket six days a week. I'm, I'm good for three or four because of timing. Yeah. But I guess my, part of my question is the high-intensity training, the heat, and the cold seems to stir things up to me. It, it might. That, would that make any sense? Yeah, no, it actually does. That those, both of those things, the extreme heat and the extreme cold, have a lot of physiological effects on our body. A lot. It changes all kinds of things. So I'm not at all surprised that you've noticed a pattern where it actually affects your digestion. Well, it slows up the days I don't do the sauna blanket. It it appears to slow up when I don't do the sauna blanket because I I think it was in Mercola's book on fat or fuel. Now, here's a little something. I don't know if you remember this, that he had mentioned after your high-intensity training, the X3 bar, you really shouldn't take a cold shower for at least an hour. Is that accurate? You know, I'm getting ready to... Have you ever to, heard that? Yeah, I have. Not Now, what, what I just read is I am exploring a different version of the infrared sauna blanket something more powerful same idea but more powerful and one is you kind of sit it's a little tent you put a chair in and sit in it the other one you can lay down but it's it's more like a tunnel instead of just a sleeping bag kind of thing and i'm working with a company to maybe even build one of our own not sure yet so as i'm doing this research i come across some of their they're also sharing a ton of um research with me and some really good information and i'm looking through there and it clearly and this is the first time i've seen this it says after you get out don't go take a cold shower i'm like huh i haven't read that anywhere else my my high says well my high says to go right to the cold shower (laughs) that's that's partially why i'm confused i can't think of any reason not to other than by not going into the cold shower, you may extend the benefits. Remember, far infrared travels pretty deep into your body and makes us sweat from pretty deep inside. Maybe their idea is right. just the longer you allow yourself to stay hot, the more detoxing you might be doing rather than stopping that process by taking a cold shower. That's my guess, but I I am going to do a little more research on this um, as we decide whether or not we're going to build one of our own of these or not. Yeah, a lot of times due to timing, by the time I come out of the sauna blank, I think I may have noticed that if I do wait that hour, not exactly an hour, but, you know, wait a period of time, it might, it slows up or it doesn't really occur. Yeah. You know, and, and, and here's the other thing about the cold shower for me. Um, when I'm done in the sauna blanket, I'm going to the shower. 
because I you're right. you're, you're soaked. I mean, there's I'm not going to go do anything else. I'm going to the shower, and if I don't do my cold yeah, shower, you're, then you're when am I going to do it? I'm not going to take two showers every day. So for me, even right. if it's not the best way, I'm probably going to continue taking my cold shower after I get out of the sauna blanket. Yeah, and I had the same thought on that because you're right. Cause you come out soaking wet. What are you going to go do? Yeah, and I'm not going to just sit around all sweaty and nasty, you know, waiting for an hour. Um, so... Yeah, right. I, I, it might not be the optimal way of doing it, but I still think you get a lot of benefit. And I'd rather do that than say, well, I already had a shower today. You know, am I really going to go back and do it again to take a cold shower? Probably not. So do you think the high intense training, the heat and the cold is, is most likely it, the cause? I, I, you know, I would try the coconut oil just to see. Try it for a week instead of the C8. See if you notice any difference. But I would not be surprised that all of these things together can be affecting your digestion. I would think at some point your body would get used to it, though. Yeah, I would think so. But it's interesting that fermented foods clears it up. Yeah, that is. I mean, um, morning. Yeah. You know, this morning before, after all that. You know, I went and grabbed some spears, asparagus, and a, and a cucumber, and a radish, and I'm like, okay, I'm good to go. I feel like a million dollars. Yeah, well, good, good. Uh, anything that gets you to eat more fermented food is a good thing. I agree. All right, well, thanks for your help. I'll let you go. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Be safe. Be profitable. Be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.